everyone. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. This is Living Beyond Limits with Ian Robertson. First of all, I want to thank you for um, checking out my podcast and especially the topics that I'm, I'm super interested in. I thought today, the last time we, we connected, we talked about and reflected on the idea of how trauma and addictions can intersect. And there's so many more areas that can be expanded in this. But I started to think a little bit about kind of how 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 trauma itself and addictions, which operate seemingly in the mid part of the brain, the limbic part of the brain, the amygdala, the part of the brain that stores unconscious uh, beliefs or subconscious beliefs. And these are beliefs that oftentimes can quite activate craving responses and definitely also activate uh, people to be triggered by trauma. It makes sense that most most treatment facilities and and structured treatment and even in some cases, some evidence-based practices for addictions are, can be quite helpful <clears throat> for people who, who are struggling with addictions, which tend to be more of a bottom-down, uh, you know, actually they're more of a top-down approach where they're using interventions and strategies that are more thinking-based and logic-based and um, ways to start to think about, you know, kind of sorting your way through an actual craving. Uh, which could be, you know, uh, using cognitive behavioral therapies or, or therapies that are more uh, founded in, in kind of uh, rational thought. Uh, one of the challenges with with working with types of therapies that are a top-down approach, obviously, is the top ta- the top part of the brain, the neocortex, that organizes rational, complex, and 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 kind of thought tends to not be operating at its optimal level when the midbrain is is triggered. And so we know that when the midbrain is triggered, it tends to operate the subconscious part of the brain about a third of a second faster in response to the uh, the top part of the brain being processing, which only leads us to think about when this part of the brain and the the kind of the reptilian part of the brain, the, the back of the cranial part of the brain, which is quite primitive, 500 million years old, and your midbrain is 400 million million years old, uh, when it gets activated, it's quite it's quite kind of um, ingrained into the human condition. It is so responsive that at times when the nervous system becomes activated, the brain is not even aware of of the body's already response um, to its perceptions of threat, but once the bottom, even the body, even activates the the reptilian, your midbrain start to become quite engaged, and so the the leading for the brain to go into a fight or flight response of some activation or potentially a freeze response, which, which is a, a collapse. So I was thinking about this with addictions because. When we think about addictions and lining it up with trauma, it makes perfect sense that people with uh, with with substance abuse related uh, challenges would use substances when this midbrain response happens in the midbrain is where the fight flight response and freeze response gets activated. And so when you have unconscious beliefs that tie into substance use. And, and understanding that substance use is a means to manage one's inner state, uh, especially when the inner state from trauma and the nervous system lives in a state of chaos. It lives in a state of, of, of feeling very, very um, charged. It can feel very much even quite collapsed and flat. It's, trauma impacts so significantly the nervous system.
that it makes perfect sense why people use substances um, because ultimately people do not want to live in this type of an inner state where their nervous systems are completely really revved up or completely flattened out. And substances do become such a manageable uh, um, maladaptive, albeit, way to cope with this interstate that feels so kind of out of control for the individual. And so when we want to look at how do we start to uh, understand the brain-body connection, polyvagal theory has done a great job at uh, Steve Porges' work at helping us to understand um, a little bit about about um, the nervous system. And, and certainly this can be very much applied in the world of addictions. When we think about the brain and the body, I think the first thing we must always be thinking about and how we approach and, you know, approach and support people with addictions is that really we need to help them, first of all, develop some integrated skills, some abilities and capacities to learn from a bottom-up approach how to calm their bodies and also how to calm their brains, uh, especially this, this part of their brain that activates the survival, fear response, threat response um, part of the brain. When we look at the brain, the, the thing that's quite helpful with polyvagal theory is, or the polyvagal model, is it helps us to understand, first of all, that um, individuals are always looking at some form of, of kind of social engagement and we co-regulate together. And so when when individuals feel certainly uh, safe and they feel because we're always wanting to connect and we're always wanting to feel safe and when we can co-regulate into uh, connections and, and ways to live in the world where we feel socially engaged and we feel safe and we feel uh, there's no threat and that we're living in our very best whole self and that we're also living in our lives out where, where um, our inner state and our outer state are not constantly scanning or feeling that there's a threat of any type. Social engagement certainly helps us to kind of connect and feel that safety. Whenever that gets threatened, our nervous systems respond to that. Um, and then, you know, there's another component to his model, which he talks about as neuroceptions, that the body is always scanning. It's always scanning for safety. Even when the, the brain is not aware, the body is continuing to scan and, and kind of want to know, um, is it safe or not safe? And then there's this kind of hierarchy that they talk about also that he talks about in terms of our nervous system, which he describes. So one is the dorsal vagal, which is the oldest and most primitive part of uh, the human condition. You know, the dorsal, break, uh, dorsal vagal pathway is, is one of the parasympathetic um, branches of the nervous system. Um, and what it does is it tends to, when, when somebody is activated or their dorsal vagal nerve is activated, then what ends up happening is it goes into this shutting down, collapse, and dissociative state. It's, it is the freeze response. It is very much at the bottom of the autonomic ladder of, of our nervous system. It creates forms of feeling in despair and, and, and kind of escaping into not knowing and not being able to kind of feel. Some people would describe feeling quite numbed out in this state. Uh, actually, even some can describe it as a sense of not even being. Uh, they could be, feel completely uh, out of their body or out of their, out of their reality. It is a state that's also described by many clients where they feel quite hopeless. 
they feel uh, certainly quite abandoned. Um, they might feel foggy or tired. Uh, thinking can be almost an arduous task. It's quite difficult. There's fatiguing. And the world for them, and when this nerve gets activated, the world feels quite empty. Uh, it can feel quite dead and quite dark for people. And what's interesting physiologically in this state, the heart is actually, its heart rate is quite, is quite low. It's actually drops and breathing becomes even more you know, difficult, labored and, and slow and, and quite immobilized and faint. Everything takes a whole lot of effort. It is uh, really the hypoarousal state. This, this nerve has been around for, like I said, 500 million years. And then we know that the next state, the next nerve uh, that he describes in his model is a sympathetic uh, nervous arousal. And this, this nerve is 400 million years old. It is a hyperarousal nerve. And it is the nerve that causes us when triggered to triggered by a fear response or a threat to move into action, to want to take escape, to, to kind of either fight or flight. Um, it's, it's the nerve that kind of tells us not to trust anything and there's no such safe place and, and safety even within or outside uh, of self can be quite activated. The sympathetic um, branch of this uh, nerve uh, is connected to the autonomic system and it's activated when one's kind of feeling um, stirred up with unease or something is triggering them. Um, and this trigger could come from neuroception from the body uh, actually scanning and the brain's not aware and the next thing you know the nerve is activated with a kind of a perception of a fear response um, uh, uh, informing the body and eventually to the brain that there is danger this trigger uh, this triggers kind of an action immediately of the fight or flight in this state what's interesting the heart rapidly speeds up and you start to see shortness of breath and kind of scanning behavior uh, in the environment, uh, looking very anxious and angry, and you kind of can feel rushed, and there's a kind of adrenaline cortisol being released. Um, in this state, too, people are becoming more sensitive to tones and sounds, uh, sounds of danger, um, uh, the, the pitch and the tones that people hear. There's kind of, uh, they're not so so focused on hearing friendly sounds and tones, but tones of threat or or things that are perceived to be um, uh evoke feelings of danger or, or, or uh, lack of safety. Um, so this is also the, the nerve that activates mobilization. Um, it is kind of the mid uh, point step down from the autonomic ladder. Uh, and again, it, you know, in this time, I may believe the world is a dangerous place and I need to protect myself from harm. This is what clients may say when they're in, their, when they're in this state or that uh, I'm gonna get hurt or, or I don't trust. All these types of things. Now, what's interesting is when people are activated with this nerve, they tend to be living their lives out with high anxiety, panic attack, ang anger, kind of irritability, uh, and and uh, reactive behaviors, and, and focus becomes quite difficult. And certainly, we also notice that there's a high amount of distress in relationships. So. You know, this this creates and can create heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep problems, weight gain, memory impairment, headaches, chronic neck, pain, shoulders, back tension, stomach problems, IBS, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, chronic fatigue, and increased vulnerabilities to illnesses. So this nerve, when it gets activated, certainly sends uh, uh, folks into a really elevated state. Uh, when we look at the dorsal vagal, 
uh, nerve. I mean, and then we look at the parasympathetic, the dorsal vagal nerve, oftentimes in the mental health system may be labeled as major depressive disorder or chronic depression or, or dysthymic or these types of conditions. But the work of Steve Porges, he understands this to be more of a, an adaptation response in the body to, to threat. And so the dorsal vagal kind of can be described as those types of conditions in the, in this, um, uh, mental health model, psychiatric model. Sympathetic nervous system can also be described in the, in the mental health uh, model as, as more the symptoms of, you know, anxiety, panic, general anxiety, and these types of things, uh, social um, anxiety and agoraphobia, again, which is just really an elevated nervous system, according to Steve Porges' work. And then the last state that we want uh, to talk about, which is called the ventrovagal complex, and it's a state that actually has been around uh, for about 200 million years, it is the uh, longest nerve that operates and functions in the autonomic nervous system. And it kind of connects the brain uh, with the throat, the heart, and the lungs, and also through many of your organs. And what it does do is it connects also to the parasympathetic nervous system, and it produces calmness and safety and it allows you to kind of engage in social engagement systems uh, and it also is the most advanced system in the body so you know it makes sense if we can kind of figure out how do we shift from the dorsal vagal in the sympathetic um, uh, nervous uh, arousal system to the ventral vagal that would make a lot of sense and if we think about addictions people that are in sympathetic arousal makes sense why when they feel too much and live in fight and flight why they use substances uh, to bring them down and the dorsal vagal response could be quite easily when somebody's in a numb dissociative state uh, why they might use other substances hypnotics and other types of things uh, stimulants to kind of kick themselves out of that state the ventral vagal here when you get into this nerve you're starting to feel safe you're starting to feel connected um, it's the part of your nervous system that kind of helps your heart and heart rate in your lungs kind of regulate. Your heart rate is regulated, your breath is full, and you can see that even within the facial features that there is kind of everything that um, kind of reflects being in tune and not in distress. And just and you're able to kind of manage and tune out any distracting noises. So it is it is the nerve that can see the big picture and and you're able to see the big picture and connect to people around you in a way that you certainly don't have any kind of fear responses uh, when people are functioning in this nerve they actually can experience happiness activity interested uh, interested in the world and they can feel safe uh, fun and peaceful from this kind of perspective it is the you know from the autonomic nervous system this is the top of the uh, autonomic ladder and at this state, you're connected and you experience um, yourself and others in a very safe way. So, you know, you're able to kind of uh, follow through with plans. You're taking care of yourself. You're taking time to play. You're doing things with others. You're feeling productive at maybe work or volunteering. Uh, in general, you're feeling regulated and your sense of management, being able to cope is quite high. You know, when you're in this state, we know that there's lots of health benefits. The health benefits include kind of your your healthy heart. Your heart is kind of not overly stressed. Your regulated blood pressure. Your health immune system is kind of decreasing, uh, and you don't have as much vulnerability to illness. Your digestion is good. The quality of your sleep is great. It just creates a sense of well-being. What we do know is when people, especially within addictions, can live within this state, 
uh, it certainly does make a difference on how they're, they're not being as triggered and cued. And I also think within mental health and many other types of areas where people uh, are struggling, helping people learn how to get out of the dorsal vagal nerve uh, to the ventral vagal or out of the sympathetic to the ventral vagal or how to do a combination in a healthy way. We want to keep this ventral vagal nerve online. When this nerve goes offline, then we start to see uh, either one or two choices, sympathetic arousal, hypoarousal, or hypoarousal. Um, there are many activities that people can do that keep themselves in this ventral vagal state that give them meaning and pleasure, things that help them feel connected, help people feel that uh, they have activities that kind of raise their state of happiness and, and pleasure. All of us need those things in our lives. There are also things that help us sustain that nerve mindfulness and many other types of um, uh, kind of meditative practices and specific breathing strategies. All these things help us to kind of get into our ventral vagal state. Hey, some people can even have a ventral vagal playlist on their phones with music that is elevating, uplifting, and positive for them. So, so certainly, as we start to explore um, the work of, of how uh, we think about addictions and also trauma. I also want to put it out there that we think about a kind of a neuroscience perspective and that we're looking how how in, you know addictions, not just the brain and how the brain functions with the neuroscience of addictive behavior itself uh, with dopamine and with the nucleus incumbent and also with the areas of the brain that, you know, dynorphin, these types of things to keep resetting the brain, causing more craving responses with dopamine, but also looking at the nervous system and how it functions. Because I think if we're going to really begin to address addictions and addictive behavior from a trauma perspective, we need to start with the nervous system. We need to know that when we, we pay attention and help people learn when they feel too low, how to actually kick out of that back to ventral vagal. And when they feel too high, how to come back to the ventral vagal state, how they can kind of manage the highs and lows and how craving responses are attached to both those states and how do we address them with individual specific targeted plans for the nervous system it makes a whole lot of sense so that the med brain doesn't take off and, and, and again, start to react to what the body's telling it, therefore disengaging the part of the brain that uh, the nucleus accumbent actually, uh, you know, works towards, um, you know, thinking and, and processing and all these types of things. So I hope this podcast was helpful for you. Uh, certainly, I, I look forward to following up this conversation with other podcasts. Uh, but in summary, um, just again, looking at the role of polyvagal, looking at the role of the nervous system, and starting to look at the connection between the brain and the body through the neural, neural system, the autonomic nervous system, and also how that connects to the, the, the neuroscience of the brain and how that also all connects with trauma and addictions. Hey, listen, great to um, spend some time with everybody. Thank you very much for listening. I hope this was helpful. And again, um, this is Ian Robertson uh, from Living Beyond Limits. Have a great day. Bye-bye.